We're going to be talking um, politics and current affairs. Uh, your comments and questions are welcome. You feel free to call us later on, 826-4805, if you're out of the area. Or you can text us now at 492-5478. That's 492-KHSU. And Jess will read them on your air. So... Uh, my guest tonight has been here many times with mm-hmm. my fellow host, Eric Kirk. Chuck Rogers is a writer, director, producer, on-air personality, and a veteran political reporter. He wears many hats in his <laughs> life. You've heard him from uh, the Mainstream Media Project to the Humboldt Chronicles, and tonight he's here, so welcome, Well, Mr. thank Rogers. you. Thanks for having me. There's a lot to talk about, huh? There is. And, you know, Eric usually has you as his guest, mm-hmm. and uh, typically it's either before or after an election, and maybe right. six months after that. Yeah. It seems like in the last two years, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's been more than usual. In fact, you were just here in April. Not that long ago, yeah. Uh, but so, so much has happened. Last time you were here, you discussed the Cohen raids. Right. Uh, potential talks with right. North Korea. What the, could happen with those Cohen raids, I wonder? I know. I wonder. I wonder. Um it's been quite a week, and that's why I asked you to, mm-hmm. to, to appear here tonight. Um, when I woke up uh, Monday morning and making my coffee, this is what I heard. Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. In a situation like this, you have, over time, facts develop. It's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. Truth isn't truth. Alternative facts. Facts develop. Truth isn't truth. Alternative facts. Facts develop. Truth isn't truth. Happy Monday, huh? Happy Monday. I thought I had had it all with uh, watching the the Sunday programs and, Mm -hmm. you know, Rudy Giuliani. It appeared that's where you heard the truth is not the truth. But we had um, Kellyanne Conway, Jay Sukulik, and uh, Rudolph Giuliani, the spokespeople for the president. Right. Um, And it reminded me of... Back in the day when Stephen Colbert played a character. Yes. And he talked about truthiness. Truthiness, right. So the truthiness of this week yeah. is uh, is quite astounding. It, it is. You know, I, I kind of feel like I'm watching uh, an 18-month-long episode of Monty Python or something. It's just, it's so bizarre. It's, it's become farcical. And um, still... Still, some of his base remains with him. But, you know, as as we were talking before we went on the air, I kind of think that as of Monday and Tuesday, as of, you know, the first part of this week, we have crossed some sort of a line. And it's, it's, it's hard in these kinds of uh, political times to see the entire forest for the trees that are right in front of you. But I do feel like we've crossed some sort of a line. Now, what I don't know is whether the line we've crossed is, I believe it's the end of the beginning. I don't think it's the beginning of the end yet. I, but it may be the end of the beginning. We may be moving out of the first quarter, if you want to look at it that way, uh, because there's still a long way to go, for sure. Um, but the line that we've crossed is the line that includes uh, people who are close to the Trump family and the Trump organizations, many, including the foundation, not just, uh, not just some of his uh, real estate uh, companies. But we have people now who have either entered guilty pleas or who have been convicted of, of felonies. And that, to me, signals that um, the walls are closing in. 
And I, I think his children are eventually going to be implicated. And I think he will be too, in one way or another. So I think that's where we are. And I think that my, my little prediction is that before September the 1st, because uh, Robert Mueller has said that he will abide by Justice Department strictures, uh, they're not laws, but but just um, customs, that he will not be doing anything that is overtly... Um, discussable in public 60 days we're talking about here? 60 days in front of the election so that gives us until roughly uh, labor day so my prediction is that next week you might see somebody like roger stone indicted who was a long time you know business operator within the trump various trump organizations i think you might see roger stone indicted next week maybe i don't i don't you know obviously i don't have any information i saw an old picture of roger stone lee atwater yeah and uh god who was the third one there probably roy Cohn. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day um now uh, paul manafort uh so we got that um, yeah. uh, on tuesday he has he has another trial mm -hmm. doesn't that start though the middle start, of september it does start in september in washington dc yeah which is significant uh that will be a very different jury than uh than what he was in front of in the eastern district of virginia by the way we learned uh, last night and this morning that i watched her yeah the uh, the juror who spoke said that those 10 counts uh, that were uh, that were that the jury was hung on uh was just one juror so the eight guilty verdicts could have easily been 18 um, eight is still bad enough. Uh, but the point that is, though, at, at first you have the pundits, and that's why that's right. why I love watching C-SPAN. I just like the facts. Yeah. I like the open right. microphone. They leave in the the beginning, at the end, you can hear stuff. But but the pundits were were opining about well, it was only eight out of eighteen, so uh, the, uh, Mueller has to look at the fact that maybe this didn't go over or. or Rick, Rick Gates or w yeah. all of that. Right. However, what this woman said as a, a Trump supporter as she mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. was that, no, you know, the, there was all this paperwork there. With everybody. It was a document case yeah. with signatures and dates and numbers and things like that. The, the, the evidence against him was overwhelming. Uh, you know, most lawyers, even conservative lawyers, were predicting uh, 18 guilty verdicts. Yeah. And uh, eight is bad enough. Um, sure. Because he still has, and maybe his toughest trial is still to come in September. Now, would that be considered, you think, uh, well, we know what probably the president and the president's people will say about that. Mm -hmm. If if that also takes, like, say, two weeks for that trial, yeah. and then we're moving into the end of September, maybe yeah. even October, right. and here's yet something else. Mm -hmm. um, so it would really be, in a way, up to the president, this, this pardon that he's dangling there. Yeah. Do you think there's something like that might I happen do. between now and, no. and uh, the election in no. November? But the day after the election, whatever okay. that Wednesday in November is, yes. the day after the election, I think two things could happen. They may or may not because, you know, as you know, in following this, it's hard to predict one day to the next, even one hour to the next what's going to happen. So take this for what it's worth. It's, it's, it's a guess. My guess is that the Wednesday after the election, what could happen, or sometime maybe that week, is a pardon for Paul Manafort and the firing of Jeff Sessions. Um, well, Lindsey Graham came out today and said something after the election they will be looking at replacing the attorney general. I, I think that that's – I think that Trump would have done it already had he not listened – you know, and he doesn't listen to very many people, but – but um, it could be that a few people did get to him and say, at least give us, you know, until after the election before you do this. 
And, you know, then the question is, who replaces Jeff Sessions, and will that person be confirmed? Um, well, first, Rosenstein replaced well, <laughs> the interim until until that can be settled. Yeah, but right? somebody uh, – Trump obviously will be looking for somebody who will agree to fire Rod Rosenstein. Right. So – and then ultimately – uh, shut down the, the Mueller investigation. Now, the interesting thing is, even if they shut down the Mueller investigation, the investigation itself will continue in many different venues, including the state of New York, significantly in the state of New York, where there are, we have learned, lots of tax problems that the uh, Attorney General of the state of New York is looking into. And part of the significance of that is that a presidential pardon uh, is only... Um, can only be uh, uh, given for federal problems, not state problems. And interestingly enough, all of the Trump children are on the board of directors of the Trump Foundation, which has multiple potential legal problems in the state of New York. So, um, it, you know, if he wants to stir up that hornet's nest, yeah. he might right after the election. So, I know I don't think anything's going to happen before the election. But I think a lot could happen right afterwards. Right. Now, a couple things that you're talking about. One, uh, just suing a sitting president. So we listened to Kellyanne Conway, Mm -hmm. uh, president's spokesperson, and um, her husband, George. Right. Now, he represented Paula Jones. Yeah. Back in the Clinton days, where they, they, they led... Uh, a decision by the Supreme Court saying that you can, in fact, sue a sitting mm-hmm. president. So I always thought, when as soon as the election election day was over, the the only hopeful thing I thought was, well, at least Kellyanne Conway's husband did that thing back then that might come to some kind of right. fruition for us mm-hmm. in 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 the future. Um, and you don't know if if that's going to bring him down um, or if, if that will bring him down out of office. The other thing that I always thought about because his family, why he ever wanted to involve his family to begin with and come to Washington was beyond me because... I don't think he did. Well, I th- why, are the, why are they there? I'll, t- I'll tell you. I, I do not think he wanted to be president. I do not think he Correct. had any, any idea that he would be elected. I think what he was doing was getting publicity because if you go back in time you'll find that uh and remember his television show the apprentice trump tv is what he wanted right was on nbc mm-hmm. and he was coming to the end of a contract at about you know 2014 2015 and wanted to renew it nbc was vacillating on that they weren't sure they were going to do that so i think that what was happening there is that he wanted as much name recognition and publicity get himself into the news as much as he could to prove to NBC that he was still a ratings draw and that's all he wanted but what happened was that he did not see was that there was a moment in time right then that a a bullying blustering idiot like that was going to get more attention than anybody else and he he bulldozed the republican primary 16 of them it wasn't even close and then he gets elected and says now what and and the biggest now what that he faced of course was all of the baggage that was stored in michael cohen's apartment and storage room and hotel room that now the prosecutors have 
uh, and all of the the payoffs that he had orchestrated through American Media, which is the National Enquirer, the the owner of which, the publisher of which, and the editor now have immunity. David Pecker has immunity. And Dylan Howard, who's the editor. And uh, they're the ones who dealt with all the payments. And, and of course, it's, it's also interesting to go back to Michael Cohen's uh, plea, the, the, the information, the allocution um, regarding the plea when he was speaking to the judge about whether he did or didn't understand what he was pleading to includes a lot of things that he did not have to include, which is very interesting. And so the question is why? His agreement is not technically a cooperation agreement yet, although it could become one with a superseding uh, plea later on, and it might. But in this plea, really all he had to say was, yes, I understand what I did, here's how I did it, and I'm pleading guilty. That's really all he had to do. But instead, if you read it, it was very carefully put together probably, uh, and even though he's a lawyer, probably with other lawyers as well, because he, ma- he makes, uh, there's, there's one little phrase in there that says, with the express intent of influencing the election, mm-hmm. which makes the payments a problem in campaign finance law. Had he not put that in there, one could argue that the payments were just to save his marriage, for example, or who knows what. Um, but the fact that he decided to, in that pleading, in that allocution, to say that he was directed by individual one who later became president of the United States to make these payments in an effort to influence the election of 2016 puts it in a whole different legal category. So uh, something's going on there. It was rather stunning. It was. Uh, I was watching... Um Actually, I was watching a, uh, The View. It was a, it was a rerun, and Ser- Serena Williams was on. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching that. And I, had ch- I always check in the morning just to say, okay, we haven't blown up the world. Okay, fine, right. and do something else. <laughs> and uh, then, AB- then there's a, a, a bulletin from ABC News. So I'm t- turning around and watching this, and I'm watching it live. And I lived through Watergate. Mm-hmm. I lived through, I was born when, uh, you know, communist uh, <laughs> Roy Cohen and etc when they were yeah. when they were doing their thing so so I've seen a lot but I had never saw anything like that where where you had okay this is happening here this is happening in Virginia and then this is happening in New York and then we're going here and then it was a split screen then you're watching people like old school running literally yeah. running from the courthouse to give somebody a stuff and when yeah. the reporter said what you said about the elocution my mouth dropped, I mm-hmm. thought, because the first thing I thought was, oh, unindicted co-conspirator. Right. Where That's, have we heard that before? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It was absolutely stunning. And how did that one end the first time we heard that? Yeah, yeah. really. Exactly. And yeah, and there's a lot of similarities with the yep. lawyers, whether it right. be the White House lawyer. Uh, or Don McGahn. Your, or, exactly. And John Dean. Um, but your question that you always ask, though, mm-hmm. Chuck, is why? Why right. did he do that? Right. And... Um, I guess when you have, when you say you're, last year is when he said he would take a bullet for the exactly. president. 
And then when the president didn't give him a job, when the president is, you know, when he's doing his thing, and this guy's been around for a decade, and it's like, really? You're going to do this to me? Yeah. It, it makes you wonder who he won't do that to. Now, my impression in the beginning was he will only leave office because of his children. If his children yeah. are indicted, if his right. children are going, you know. Right, that, and that they might, could be. They could be, and that that could change everything. Yeah, Don Jr. has a lot of legal exposure because of the Trump Tower meeting with the Russians. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that the his daughter Ivanka Trump, who doesn't appear to have much uh, legal problems with Russia, but she is in a heap of trouble in the state of New York with the Trump Foundation, uh, which it is alleged, and we still have to use that word, which is alleged to have. Um, been pretty much just a uh, a checking account for the Trump campaign and for other things, even before he was running for office. Mm -hmm. It goes back decades. Uh, the current uh, New York Attorney General has looked into that, has filed a civil suit against the foundation and its board, which includes Don Jr. and uh, Eric Trump and Ivanka Trump. Um, now, interestingly enough, she her name is Barbara Underwood, the attorney general, and she is an absolute terrific lawyer and a pit bull of a lawyer. And she may yet be the one who who pushes this as far as it can go. Because interestingly enough, when she filed that civil suit in the state of New York, she sent all of the information to the Internal Reve Revenue Service, to the Justice Department in Washington to see just in case there were also any laws broken so that this would be not only a civil suit, but would also be uh, some, some legal problems as well. And it looks like it might be, uh, uh, not the not the the least of which would be the fact that it appears the board of directors, who are the Trump children, didn't meet. They didn't have any oversight over anything, and it was just being used as a checking account for the Trump family and the campaign. So that could be a big problem. And, uh, and by the way, state problems. Uh, a president has no no way to pardon state problems. Right, on, and, and neither will uh, perhaps uh, President Pence be able to uh, pardon yeah. him. Well, that's a whole other story. You know, be careful what you wish for. Um, yeah, the whole the whole question of whether whether he should or shouldn't be impeached um, is a, is a multi-layered kind of thing. Um, certainly from the standpoint of misbehavior, Yes, he should be impeached. Politically, is that really what we want? And here's the here's the thing: uh, it's going to be clear by 2020 that that Trump, if he got uh, the nomination again, which is, would be in question because I think he's going to get challenges from his own party. But were you to to get the Republican nomination, he would be about as damaged a candidate as you could possibly find. So he may still get his 30 percent of the base, but at in 2020, he will have lost most of the independents and most of the conservative Democrats. And a lot of those white women who voted for him in 2016. And, and now think that they made a mistake. So it could be that the, the best political strategy might be to leave him in office as a damaged president and a damaged future candidate. Mike Pence, on the other hand knows how to behave himself in public. I don't agree with anything he's ever said or written. But I call him vanilla ice. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways he's he's he doesn't have a lot nearly the kind of baggage that Trump has as far as, you know, on the personal side and on the legal side. 
Um, politically, uh, somebody like me would not agree with anything. But he will not have the kind of personal baggage that Trump had. So it could be that Mike Pence, uh, as an incumbent then, would be more difficult to run against than a damaged Donald Trump would be. And, uh, and you know, you can argue it either way. I would love to see the guy impeached. But, yeah, well, but, I think Pence would have a lot more detractors. We have a we have a caller, Eric from Eureka. Eric, welcome. To, hi. Hey. Yeah, it's me. I'm glad you two hooked up, and I, <laughs> I've enjoyed what I've heard of the show so far. I recognize that voice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Um, so I had a, a couple of quick things. One is I just wanted to point out I saw an article today, but I haven't you know gone to verify it on on all of the stations. But I think Pence is actually implicated in some of the investigation at this point. Well, how about Mike Flynn? And Mike Flynn. What, and, right. What did you see about uh, Pence? Um, there, there, there was a, a report, a, a leak, and you know there aren't many leaks, right. um, that, that, the, that some of the stuff pertaining to it, and I'm forgetting exactly what the, what the headline was, but some of the, um, uh, the collusion aspect of it, that he's being currently... Uh. Yeah. It is one a, a subject of interest, right. not not that he's a suspect, but a subject right. of interest in those discussions. That could mean he's a witness, and not necessarily somebody who did wrongdoing. But well, either yeah. way, yeah, he's uh, a witness to but, what Mike Flynn said or didn't say, and if he lied about it or not. That's always been yeah, kind of stinky, huh? Yeah, his defense on that has always been that he was <laughs> lied to. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, but who, Flynn, kno- who knows yeah. what kind of evidence that Mueller may have that would contradict that? Yeah, who knows. Exactly. I think that's what they're scared of. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Chuck, because you probably read about it today, too, is two senators that I've seen, and maybe more, and it seems to be an increase, a line that's picking up steam, yeah. is uh, Kamala Harris and uh, is it Tammy Duckworth in Hawaii? Is that her name? No. Uh, the Asian? No. Okay, uh, no. I've got her mixed up. Her, but the, the Asian her senator own? in Hawaii. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Go ahead, yeah. Anyway, both of them are calling for the Kavanaugh hearings to be put off right. until the, uh, the what is it, they're, they're calling him an unindicted co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. They're using that language, both of them use that language to describe Trump and saying that, they, that, that the Kavanaugh hearing and, and no court appointment should take place right. until that has been resolved one way or another. Now, I don't think they're expecting Republicans to go along with it, but it sounds like a camp, uh, an election campaign theme. Yeah, especially with Harris involved. Um, yeah, I did read that, and um, you're right. Uh, they're not the... I think that... Um, there are, there's uh, somebody in the House who's always uh, who is also uh, making the same kind of noise. But yeah, of course, as you know, Eric, their problem is is that they they don't have the votes on the committee to make that happen. That's right. Um, and, That's right. But they but they want to put pressure on senators, right? You know, such as T- Cruz, who um, uh, that Beto guy, yep, O'Rourke, right, yeah. on, nipping on his heels, right? four I points down four now. Points yeah, four points yeah. down. Yeah, and. And uh, that puts pressure on Cruz. Does he really want to get saddled with having to defend an unindicted co-conspirator? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I I, I know these guys secretly hate Trump's guts right yep. now. Yeah. You know, because yep. uh, 
because the whole, you know, Trump could survive and they, they all think, right? I mean, it's, they've got a chance to really make some gains in the Senate, but some of those races are closer than I thought they would be. Yeah, and you wonder at what point uh, some of those senators, uh, especially like Ted Cruz, who's in a tough race, uh, will decide, you know what, uh, I have to look out for number one. I have to look out for myself here, and I'm in a tough race. So, you know, maybe I could be persuaded to go along with some of the Democrats on the committee and just put this hearing off until after the election. And do we know he hates Trump? We saw it during the campaign and at the convention. Yeah, well, Trump accused his father of being somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination. So, uh, yeah, uh, Cruz... Cruz, I think, has a lot of motivation to get on board with that. Now, whether he does, uh, who knows? McConnell has said that the hearings are going to go on as scheduled. Yep. Uh, yeah. But who knows? You know, I, I saw a, a report yesterday with Mitch McConnell where a reporter was asking him about all that had happened this week. And he, he didn't say a Nothing. word. He silent. didn't even say, yeah, he was just silent. Yeah. Uh, that's not, I, that's not leadership, I don't think, is it? No, no, no it's not. Anyway, thank you very much. Great show. I'm going to continue listening. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Eric. So let's. Uh, so I wanted to say uh, the Democratic candidate for Texas Senate says, I can't think of nothing more American than to take a knee for your rights. Yeah, <clears throat> I uh, agree. So, he, you know, it, it, it looks like people are not afraid to speak about uh, the whole issue. Yeah. Getting it bigger than just a soundbite. We heard recently, we heard uh, um, uh, the governor of New York, Cuomo, talk mm-hmm. about, well, you know, America was never right. great. Now, if you listen to that entire part, if you saw that whole piece, right. what he basically said is, how can we ever be great unless we are all engaged? Right. And that is a message, it seems like, a lot of Democrat, particularly Senate candidates, congressional mm-hmm. candidates, and candidates who want to influence a national election yeah. are, are saying I agree. I I totally agree. Um, I I think O'Rourke really does have um, a a chance. And and here's why. Um, I I worked in that area, um, in that part of the country for a long time. And polling in places like Texas is, is, and all of the southern states actually, is difficult. Because people are... um, are a little hesitant sometimes to tell pollsters exactly what they think, especially if what they think is a little bit out of what they perceive to be what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. Conformity is is first and foremost in that part of the world uh, and always has been culturally. So if, if O'Rourke is polling at only four points behind, I would love to know what the margin of error is, first of all. And secondly, what some of the 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 inside politics people in Texas really think the numbers are, because my guess is some of the people who answered that poll and said, well, yeah, I'm going to vote for Cruz, aren't going to vote for Cruz. So it could be that four points behind in Texas is really t- a tie. And right. it's a it's a because I think it was three and a half. Yeah, well, and the margin of error in a state that size is probably at least three to four percent to start with. So, and then you factor in some people are not going to tell anybody exactly what they're going to really going to do once they get to the polling place. So, I would not be surprised. Some at some point, Texas is going to go blue. Um, If it's this year, that would be very helpful. 
well, to say may, the least. May the spirit of Ann Richards uh, oh, yeah. Talk <laughs> rise about again. Yeah. <laughs> I know, huh? Yeah. To, to, I know. And that really wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And and Texas was doing fine. Their economy was doing fine. Booming. And then this little uh, little little uh, shrub comes along and says, she's mm-hmm. going to take away your guns. You're listening to Thursday Night Talk here on KHSU. I'm Brenda Starr, your host this evening. And my guest is Chuck Rogers. We're talking politics and current events. Your comments and questions are welcome. You can call us just like Eric did at 826-4805. If you're out of the area, 800-640-5911. If you don't want to be in the air, you can text us at 492-KHSU. That's 492-5478. And Jess will read your calls. We welcome them. So um, I want to go over the timeline here of this because, you know, I started with the the truthiness and the lies and lies. So first, November 4th, 2016, hush money for the affair. And Hope Hicks denied that that happened. Okay. February 2018, uh, Michael Cohn says that the money came out of his own pocket with no involvement from Trump. Mm-hmm. April of this year, on Air Force One, Trump says he has no knowledge of this. May 2nd of this year, Rudy Giuliani says that Trump reimburses Cohen, much to uh, uh, Sean Hannity's gasp there, right. and that Michael would take care of things like this. Mm-hmm. July... Just last month, there was this secret audio tape. Trump talks to Cohn about David. We know that's Mr. Pecker, who's right. now gotten immunity. National Enquirer guy. And uh, Tuesday later, I oh, no, this was yesterday from his interview, or maybe it was today. Um, yeah, I knew later, but it didn't. the money didn't come from the campaign, That was Trump this morning. Said. Yeah, that's right. That was this morning. Yeah. Have you ever seen things just jump so quickly? I mean, I don't want to... It's it's a bad analogy right now with all the fires. And by the way, next uh, next week, Yana will be here to talk about fires and strategies. She's our fire expert. Um, but it is like a wildfire storm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's been going on for a couple of years now. Um, th- there's no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, th- just going through that, if, if Trump supporters would go through that timeline and see how many times they've been lied to yeah. uh, and, and lied to about things that supposedly the far right would find abhorrent um paying off porn stars um you know he still has evangelical support somehow from people like franklin graham and jerry falwell jr and mike huckabee and sarah huckabee sanders and all of these people who profess to be Mm -hmm. the holier than thou among us um how hypocritical does does it make them seem when all you have to do is go through the timeline you just recited there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's I think that's the frustrating part for me because it it tells me that we are in some sort of post-truth kind of time that feels very uncomfortable to me and a little bit scary. Um, I think the only way a society like this works is if you can at least agree on a set of facts and that people would understand that it is reasonable to expect that thoughtful people in a complex world might disagree on the best way to navigate that complicated world. But at least you ought to be able to talk about it so that as a society, you can all move forward based on a set of facts and what you have decided you want to do when you have to confront the future. But we can't do that right now. And that timeline illustrates it that we are in 
two different silos of information, and that's dangerous. And it, it makes me wonder what the folks who still support this guy, how they justify it in their own minds. And it, to me, it has to be out of fear. That no fear. I mean, you know, we live in Humboldt County. It's fear or it's love. I think this, yeah. we all kind of know, know that part. But when he says, when the president said a crime is not a crime, I mean, I think he also said that today, too. A crime is not a crime. Well, he said that what Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to were not crimes. Now, that suggests, if you think about it, that the judge in that courtroom accepted a plea of guilty for something that the judge somehow didn't understand was even a crime. <laughs> so Donald Trump, in, in just in that one little soundbite that we all heard today, was putting himself above the judge yeah. in that case. Wow. I, I mean, that's just, it, it's ridiculous at its base. The press is like trying to um, catch confetti every day. It's just... Uh, I like that. Yeah, you're it's, right. It's, what, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, where where do you go with that? And tomorrow, because tomorrow will be all new. Yeah. Although, I, I like what you said at, uh, at the start of the show. This is the end of the beginning. Yeah. Um, talk about that a little bit more. Well, I, I think what we've been waiting for is is to see when someone would break ranks with the supreme leader, which is how he operates. He operates as if he's running North Korea or Russia. Or just, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm from New York, okay? Forget yeah. about it. It's, it's, this it's, is it's how a, we do business. He's a cop. I got my capos. I'm yeah, the boss. Right. I'm the Where's godfather. Where's my Roy Cohn, he asked at one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I think Michael Cohen's uh, plea, uh, especially the uh, the transcript of it, reveals that this is somebody who has decided for better or worse, to break ranks with the Supreme Leader. And, you know, um, we'll see how that goes for him. I, I I know people disagree with this, but I have not ruled out the possibility that Paul Manafort could in some way give some piece of information at some point leading up to his next trial. So I think that's possible. I think the fact that the, um, the owner, publisher, and the editor of the National Enquirer agreed to immunity deals today with prosecutors is highly significant because I think they both have been involved in a lot of the uh, campaign finance violations that have occurred. And with immunity, um, which is different than flipping, uh, you know, flipping is somebody who's been charged with something and they've decided to try to save themselves and maybe get a reduced sentence. Somebody, by telling the truth. By telling the truth. What a concept. <laughs> Somebody who's granted immunity is not charged, but they have, they have told prosecutors, yes, I have some, I can answer the questions that you're asking, but um, maybe one little scintilla, maybe 1% of what I might say might incriminate me in some tiny way. But I would love to tell you anyway, but what do I do? Well, maybe tell us what you know without that one part, and we'll decide if we want to grant you immunity, and you can tell us the whole story. And that's what happened. So uh, I, I think that given the fact that the National Enquirer has been, you know, basically a, a PR arm for the Trump family for a long time, um, there's some significant information that might come from there. So that's another person who has broken ranks with the Supreme Leader. So that's why I say For we're campaign at, finance. At least. Uh, at le and we don't know what else they know. Well, 
Yeah, but, but, but what, that's else, why what else would they be looking for as far as... Uh, well, maybe problems in the state of New York. High crimes and misdemeanors. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that the prosecutors would not have granted immunity unless there was something there that was significant. They just wouldn't have done it. Um, well, they done so, that in the Manafort case, too, with the bankers. Remember? I mean, they didn't want to say, oh, yeah. We, oh, that's a, those well, bankers from Chicago. Right. Exactly. We knew what this was going exactly. on, but we're not, we don't want to get in and trouble. And they got convictions on, on the tax yeah. problems and the loan problems. So that's why I say that I think we're at the, uh, the end of the beginning, because now we have some people who have finally broken ranks. And it's people who have information on the entirety of the Trump organization. Uh, so that's why I said, so now we move forward and try to figure out exactly what it is they do know um, and how the prosecutors in Washington and the prosecutors in the Southern District of New York and the attorney general in the state of New York move forward. And that's that's what we're waiting for now. Wow. We have another caller, Tim from Honeydew. Welcome to Thursday Night Talk, Tim. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um I just wanted to begin my comment and question with um, Eugene Debs, who was a socialist candidate for president mm -hmm. in 48. He said that uh, he thought America might turn fascist and it would be under the guise of patriotism. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what the exact definition of fascism is, but I would tell you what I think it is, and you could add to it or correct it. But I think it's when the military and big government and big business i.e. the corporations, um, control, and they use nationalism as a, as a way to, and ever since 9-11, patriotism has been big business, flags right. and everything, you know. So my question is, are people too scared to call what we're seeing what it is, which some could call fascism, because the the military is getting more money and the big businesses are getting tax breaks and the poor, I don't know what's happening. I don't think too much. Are progress, getting poorer. Yeah. <laughs> and the rich so my question <laughs> was, is, is what we're seeing fascism? Is it, is it creeping in? Is it something we should talk about or am I being overreactive? I don't know. I don't think you're being overreactive at all. I think, I think, uh, a couple of things. One, what you said right there at the end, I think is key. And that is that fascism, as we have seen in history, is something that creeps in. It tends not to be something that happens overnight. It's a it's a, uh, a creeping kind of disease that happens gradually. Uh, and the, to put that together with the first thing you said, it is nationalism. It, it tends to happen when people are in fear, when they are worried and someone comes along and says, I can solve all of your problems, but you have to pledge loyalty to me because I am the one who can singularly solve all of your problems. And yeah, I will probably use the military and the police to do that. But as long I'm as... I'm also scared of a wag the dog scenario yeah. where, you know, he's founding the drumbeats of war with Iran. Yeah. And well, what scares me is that he does something to divert attention yeah, right. like that, which I don't know if you ever saw the movie with Dustin Hoffman and Willie Nelson. Yeah, but right. It was, um, it, yeah, it's scary. And we're seeing it being made manifest. And I don't know. I just wanted to throw a comment out there. Thank you for taking my call. That's why I think it it's so important that... Um, 
you know, one, one of the things that, that, that helps to prevent the creep of fascism is the fact that people can speak out. And that's why, uh, you know, one of the ways we're going to be able to speak out is this November when we go to the polls. Uh, I, I was uh, reading an article by a historian recently who said, and I don't like hyperbole, but it's hard for me to argue with this one. Uh, his name is John Meacham, and he wrote an article recently, who said, and he said that the November election is arguably the most important election uh, in the history of the United States. And he, he you know, he outlined several of them. And I, I you know, I, I don't know, Lincoln, maybe <laughs> Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt. You know, there've been a lot of important elections. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, I would say that it's definitely one of them, just for what Tim was just saying, that um, we don't want this to guy, guy to have any more time to consolidate power around him. And uh, so I think we need, uh, we need Democrats to take back at least the House of Representatives to at least put the brakes on this guy and to start acting like a check on the executive power the way that they are supposed to, but that's a power that they have, uh, for the last 18 months, have abdicated. They, they're not doing it. They're not doing their jobs. Um, and it's scary. Well, Harry Truman said that we get the government we deserve. Yes. And apparently this is what we deserve right now. So uh, uh, voters have to uh, come out in November if they feel like this is what we do. We don't we do not deserve this. Yeah. Um, right. So there's there's that that point. Yeah. As well. You're right. Um, yeah. And closer to home, we've we've got a congressman now from the San Diego area who was uh, he and his wife were just indicted. They they uh, they were arraigned today. They both uh, entered not guilty pleas, but they're accused of uh, taking two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from their campaign as uh, personal yep. money. And um, so now he is his name is Duncan Hunter and he has re resigned from the committees he's on in the house now. He's not resigned his house seat, but interestingly enough, the democratic candidate down there is a millennial um Palestinian Mexican American who's quite bright, quite articulate, has a lot of good ideas, wants Medicare for all, free education, the whole thing. Um who was having I think polling at around 17%, but now actually has a chance. Wow. So imagine San Diego, which we think of as one of, there aren't many Republican strongholds in California, but if there is one, San Diego is one of them, at least on the list. Imagine um, that congressional district going to not only a Democrat, but a person who I believe he was born on the Gaza Strip. Wow. Palestinian, with Palestinian Mexican background, American in San Diego, who could possibly take that seat, which interestingly enough, has been uh, held by someone named Duncan Hunter for 40 years. Mm -hmm. This is not the first Duncan Hunter. His dad held that seat. No, and I think he's going to be Dunkin' Donuts soon. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, plus, you know what? He calls in the deep state. Yeah, the, well, yeah, yeah, he used the Trump defense. <laughs> and also... Also, he slapped the Navy in the face when it was like, he F did. the Navy. Remember, he made that comment when he, he tried to... Um, uh, and he's military. He's a military background person. Exactly. Yeah. So he, I guess he thought, hey, if you can't give me a, a tour of the of the naval base in Italy right. so I could write this off. Uh, so I don't think that goes over well no. there. 
uh, on Carnot Island. <laughs> I, I would I would love for this state to flip that seat. Well, there's a lot to, to flip this year, too. Uh, yeah. I think the last time uh, you and Eric were talking about uh, Daryl Isis. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he's probably going to get a different job, but he, he's out of there. He's out of there. What's probably. happening with uh, Rohrbacher? Is, is, Dana Rohrbacher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Um, is he st- that could be a whole show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's the Irvine area and, you know, that, that, that part of the state between Los Angeles and San Diego. Um, he, uh, you know, I heard somebody call, uh, refer to him, and, and this, this uh, phrase I think has been, uh, is kind of catching fire. Uh, a Russian Republican? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's he's among the early supporters of Trump, still a Trump person, uh, and vocally so. Um, you know, it's a very conservative area, though. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, if we could just get Duncan Hunter's seat, maybe, and Daryl Issa's seat, maybe, um, that would be great. That would be interesting. Um, you know, this week, uh, some of the pundits have uh, have kind of increased their predictions for the Democrats. I, I don't like to get too over anxious, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I think what is it, twenty three or twenty four seats that the Democrats need. I've I've heard people this week say we could get forty. You know, well, you know, let, let's concentrate on what we need and make sure we do this right and yeah. not just start assuming things. We've been and, we've been we've been burnt before. We, uh, absolutely. That that's that's the the democratic problem in the midterm elections is that they they just don't get excited about it and they don't show up. Um, but this year, if there's you would hope, wow. if, if it, ever, it, it, thank you. I was supposed to say, if not now, when when, and I think that's what John Meacham was yeah. was was referring I do too. to. Um, uh, I do too. The uh, soul of the country taking uh, taking taking it back. You know, I remember having a discussion with my brother, the judge, who who wanted to. I am his older sister by eight years. Yet he felt he called me the day after the election to kind of like pat on my head. Oh, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and I don't take that advice from my younger brother too well. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> Think for yourself, Brenda. And I told him, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about democracy there, Robert. I'm, I, you know, because he's like, the republic will survive. Well, then it became, what, how many months later? And mm-hmm. then I started worrying about the republic. Did he call you back? No. He didn't? Now, did you call him? Well, I had to go to a wedding a couple of months ago. His, his, his daughter got married, and we did not talk about politics. Really? Because it's, it's, everything is just kind of holding, holding uh-huh. on here. Uh-huh. Like, where's your barometer now as it was two years ago? I'm, I'm, I, as we were talking about before we went on the air, uh, as of this week, I feel better than I have felt in two years. Because I have some hope, as we were saying, because now at least there are some people in the Trump orbit who are supposedly going to tell the truth and tell what they know. So I'm, I'm feeling better now and I'm feeling less frustrated now because I think that's what we've been waiting for, for this whole 18 months. Well, you know, and go back to 2015 when he announced. So for the, you know, almost three years now, we've been saying, how is this happening? Mm. What? Are these people not paying attention? Do they not know the facts? Do they not care? What's going on here? Because we haven't seen this before. Um, But now that uh, there are some people in that orbit who are deciding to protect themselves 
and that's you know if if that's their motivation uh, even though the motivation is not to save the country if they're just trying to save themselves at least they have information that may help the rest of us save the country so at least there's that mm. so that's why i'm more hopeful today of course there's still tomorrow <laughs> but i'm more hopeful today than i was last week yeah uh, you know, uh, certainly before I uh, more hopeful now than I was before Monday and Tuesday, uh, because I think what what Michael Cohen's plea and uh, the verdicts on Manafort and what's going on in the state of New York show us is that there is a way for the rest of us to push forward here. And I think it also shows us that what we know so far about the Mueller investigation is is in fact the tip of the iceberg and I think he I think he has I think he has a case now uh, for not you know certainly obstruction the president obstructs justice on television every day so uh, a, a, a team of lawyers of the caliber of Mueller's team I think are gonna are going to steamroll through this. This is going to, when we finally get Mueller to uh, let us know what he knows in a court of law or in a report that goes to Congress that is made public for the rest of us to see, I think we're going to find out that this Mueller team is uh, and uh, uh, against the Trump team is going to be like the New York Yankees against a Little League team. It's going to be that overwhelming. It's going to be open and shut. It's going to be, wow. And the 1927 Yankees at that, murderers row. Uh, there you go. Now, a lot of people, though, Chuck, think that when that happens, yeah. and I'm talking about everyone from Senator Harris yeah. to the uh, Attorney General from the state of New York. Barbara Underwood. Yeah. Think there will be a constitutional crisis mm -hmm. because of that. I agree. So. So, how, what does that look like from your perspective? Well, what what it looks like is the is the 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 question at the foundation of that is whether a sitting president can or cannot be indicted, uh, and along with that, um, uh, you know, one A is uh, does a president have to abide by a subpoena? Um, now, in the Clinton case, President Clinton did, but that was to testify in a civil proceeding, not a criminal proceeding, and that's very different. Um, I, I don't know whether Mueller, and we don't have any indication one way or the other about how he's going to come down on this. We don't know whether Mueller is going to test the indictment part of it, or whether he's going to wait until Trump is out of office. Uh, and in have a sealed indictment. Have a, maybe have a sealed indictment, file the report with Congress, make everything public. And uh, once Trump is a private citizen, then maybe he is indicted. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. The, the, the reason I think he may go that way is because of how the Supreme Court is stacked right now on one side. And especially if the Kavanaugh uh, nomination well, goes through. So I think Mueller knows that if, that if he indicted the president, that would make a, a speedy entrance into the halls of the Supreme Court because it would be of such gravity, sort of like the 2000 election. Yeah. It would get to the Supreme Court in no time. Right. But the makeup of the Supreme Court right now is, is Trump and Bush and Reagan. And the question is whether those appointees would do the right thing or not. Wow. Is, is the Supreme Court as much of a political 
entity now as a judicial entity? We don't know, but this would certainly answer that question. Yes. So I think what he's going to do is he's going to push this as far as he can. And there are going to be state cases in New York going on. Mm -hmm. He'll file his report with Congress and there will be, just as you said, a sealed indictment waiting for him once he's a private citizen. Uh, I mean, that's just a, we don't know. Yeah. And the political perspective from uh, from Senator Harris is when she Who's was talking a prosecutor. about exactly mm-hmm. a very good prosecutor at that and Attorney General yes um, is n- not only have we have have she and other senators not seen uh, significant uh, paperwork in cases from Kavanaugh right. but because everyone like. Like just my me, average uh, little citizen mm-hmm. watching that, thinking, "Oh my gosh, she's an unindicted co-conspirator," yeah. using that language now to 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 push that. So then we have a pretty much we have the same kind of a, a look on the court that we did, um, yeah, last year yes. or two years ago, exactly when Scalia was there. I know. It's it's also fascinating. It it is. Um, it, it makes me also wonder, and this would be a whole other show about whether we need to revisit the idea that justices of the Supreme Court are appointed for life. Uh, You know, what they did with, after J. Edgar Hoover, what they did with the FBI, instead of that being a lifetime appointment, they made it 10 years. I wonder if maybe we should go, uh, given the politicization of the Supreme Court, maybe instead of lifetime, it should be 15 years. Maybe it should be, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, I don't know. But just to prevent problems like the one we have right now. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is is holding on now. Thank God for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's a wonderful documentary, so RBG. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's, it's, it's worth it. It's pretty fantastic. And Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor and, you know, so, um, uh, and Merrick Garland should have been there. Yeah. We have another uh, caller, Mitch from Crescent City. Uh, welcome to Thursday Night Talk. Hi, I know that you're running short on time, so I'll try to make this as briefly as possible. But at the start of his presidency, uh, you know, the thing in Syria with the uh, chlorine gas, Mm. he uh, launched 59 Tomahawk missiles. Mm -hmm, And uh, he made a news uh, report uh, where he stated that 58 of them were on target. And the 59th uh, went off target, unfortunately, according to him. And uh, there was a couple of minor civilian uh, casualties. Well, I find out that that minor civilian casualty was one and happened to be Assad's granddaughter, 12-year-old granddaughter. So it seems to me that, you know, uh, know, there's no coincidence, I think, that he purposely targeted a 12-year-old little girl with a Tomahawk missile. The other thing I'm going to bring up is the poisoning of the... uh, uh, poisoning of uh, the uh, ex uh, KGB officer uh, and his daughter. Uh, you know, I, in England, in, yeah, yeah. Well, that was only about a mile from Bletchley uh, Chemical uh, Station there in in uh, you know in England. Now the thing of it is, is that two months later, uh, these, these the, another couple was poisoned. Well, I'm, it, a, I'm a John, I'm a John Lasser fan, and I just find it it, <laughs> it seems to me that you know that there's something going on here that that just doesn't something stinks in Mudville, basically. You know, I'll, I'll yeah, just, right. 
Uh, uh, you know, to follow up on the uh, the author reference there, this stuff writes itself. It sure does. Um, it sure does. Yeah, and, and those poisonings are not the only the only things. Uh, many of uh, Putin's critics and opponents uh, have met with uh, uh, all kinds of problems. Uh, one of them, in fact, was uh, shot uh, within uh, eyesight of the Kremlin. Right on the bridge. In Moscow. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, well, and remember that uh, Vladimir Putin was head of the KGB. So, exactly. uh, well, you know, he's... Uh, he's He's trained in these kinds of things, and it's uh, it's interesting, I think, the way he's played Donald Trump. Uh, well, he's well, done I'll, it expertly. I'll put this final scenario. Okay, so this ex-KGB officer, him and his daughter get poisoned, right? Well, yeah. what if he happened, because he, he was given secretly the order of Lenin about a year before he defected. Well, what if he, what if he was a double? And it was just because his daughter is even stating that, that she doesn't think that the, the Russia was behind it. I think you've got a whole chapter right there with the double agent. Exactly. That's what I think. Okay, well, thank you very much. Let me, you know, get off my chest. Something, like I said, something in mud, Bill. Anything in the spy business is, is possible. <laughs> I'll All right, thank you very much. Well, thanks for the call. Last year when I was in D.C., I went to the spy museum. Yeah. Oh, I love that place. Because I, I, I watched... Uh, uh, I used to watch all the 007 yeah. movies. I read all the Ian Flaman novels. Uh -huh. I even read them during catechism. You know, I remember that. Got kicked out of that. Um, you would get kicked out of catechism <laughs> for that. Yeah. For reading. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, I, yes. I, never, I, never, I never did that during catechism. <laughs> but it's fascinating now uh, to watch old spy films. Uh -huh. It's it's uh, everything old is new again, as we yeah. were talking about. And it, it it's so much more entertainment now. As it yeah. was then, it was like, oh gosh, this old boring movie. And now there's all these little intricacies. You could see that. Then they had the Americans on TV. Now I never watched that, mm -hmm. but I, I imagine what the premise is and all that. And this has been going on in our country for decades. It, it has been, and and you know, I, I uh, that's a very good point. And a lot of people have have talked about that in in this sense that that this was always there and it was simmering. It wasn't at a boil since the 1960s uh, and the civil rights movement and the women's movement and the environmental movement and so on in the Vietnam War. But it's always been there and it's been at a simmer. But there was nobody at the top who was really giving it um, a voice or making people feel emboldened mm -hmm. that they could start uh, with all of this. But Donald Trump did, clearly. And so you're right. Uh, and, and it's hopefully in 10 or 15, 20 years, we're going to look back and see that for all the problems that we had during this period of time, in an odd way, it was good that at least we saw that this was still there and it was something we still needed to deal with and that the end of the 60s and 70s did not get rid of all this the way we thought it did. Um, let, we can only hope. But uh, I, I think you're right. I think this is something that, that has been there and we, it, it's, in, it's in all 50 states. It's in. It's mostly rural, but it's also in cities. It's everywhere, uh, and it's it, it's something that is going to prevent us from moving forward, as we're seeing right now. We're not talking about infrastructure. We're not talking about healthcare or education or transportation or climate change or. Any, I mean, the list is so long of things that we need to be doing, and we're not doing it um, because the guy at the top is trying to save himself. And it's, maybe now is a good time to quote, you know, I am a Jersey girl and uh, an old Bruce Springsteen song. Ah, Someday we will look back and this will all seem funny. I hope we Let's have. Let's hope, huh? 
<laughs> really? Born in the USA, we are. And uh, let, let's hope that this will be funny at some point. Well, yeah. you know, uh, the clip that I first played with the lies is lies and truth yeah. is truth and truth isn't truth and a crime isn't a crime. Um, it's getting funny now. It's getting to a point where uh, it's, it's, it's so funny it's taken seriously. It is. And, you know, one, one other quick thing. I know we're almost sure. done here. But one more thought these, here. these kinds of conversations, I think, are important for all of us because yes. we need to talk to each other and realize that we're not the only ones yeah. and that we are seeing this clearly. Because what we hear from the White House is that we're not, don't believe what you see or hear. Right. So that's why these kinds of conversations are so important. And thank you for doing this tonight. Oh, well, I'd like to thank you, Chuck Rogers. And there you can listen to Chuck on The Point and on The Lounge, and I'm sure he'll be here. On T in TNT on, in November with Eric. <laughs> oh, that would be a fun one. <laughs> to dissect that sentence. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let who knows what we'll be talking about then, huh? I know. Well it'll be significant, whatever happens. It's all significant. I'd like to thank our callers, Eric Tim, Mitch, our engineer Jess, you the listener. Until next time, peace, frog. <laughs>